Welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. So we're back. And on the podcast, I get to interview Jeremy. This is great. Hey, buddy. How you doing? <laughs> How are you? You're going to put me in the hot seat today, huh? Well, so a little backstory, folks, right? So, uh, you know, getting guests is tough with, with it between Ignite and the holiday, upcoming holidays. And, and Jeremy said to me, there's a little bit of news we can cover. And then he dumped like 8,000 articles in our notes here. So um, I'm, I'm going to be the news anchor and read them. And hopefully we'll get some intelligence <laughs> out of the deal there. <laughs> I'll try and add my own little in- insight to the news that you've read. Exactly. 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 Um, jumping right in, that's a recap Ignite. So the first one is a, a post by Ben. It just says Ben. I'm guessing that's Ben from the marketing group who talked about Ignite 2021, building apps for collaboration in a hybrid world. It is Ben Summers. And um, this is like, a, like a, a recap of things. Viva Connections Toolkit, we've all heard about that. But the one that caught my attention was personal tabs inside Outlook and Office.com. So mm-hmm. love to hear more about that kind of stuff. But uh, so what's your takeaway on the overall hybrid world apps? I think you pulled out the right one there. That would be my biggest takeaway from this news too. You know, obviously personal tabs have existed in Microsoft Teams for a wee while now. And there was a lot of internal discussion about like, that's one of the products that these things could exist in. But the app launcher rail has existed inside of Outlook and Office.com for a while now. And I actually, I use it a lot. I have Office.com as my homepage in my browser. And I often find myself hopping over to OneDrive for Business from there because I can never remember the URL for OneDrive for Business because <laughs> it has your own username in it. And Office.com is easy to remember. And so you can launch essentially a personal app with the full context of the user in not just Teams now, but also inside of office.com and outlook.com as well. And, um, you know, it's going to be a progression there, what we do. And there's a whole new set of SDKs, capabilities that have been pushed into the Teams SDK in public preview to kind of work that out, which includes, you know, updates and the manifest files and so forth to make that all kind of glue together this is kind of the start of where we're going with this stuff. And so um, if you're interested in this notion, you should definitely keep keep your eyes peeled for more announcements in the future around this, this direction. And we'll get someone on the podcast soon to talk a little bit more about this one in particular. Yeah, I have, a, I have a ton of questions already about, I mean, writing the code is pretty straightforward, but where do I go to insert it into office.com and where's the office.com app store type of stuff? So mm-hmm. yeah, certainly we'll keep our eyes peeled for how that how that rolls out. So, But the rest of this blog post does cover some things about Azure communication services, which we've talked it on the does. show. And, yeah. and obviously Viva Connections, which is which is GA now. And then um, the, the Teams meeting apps, which is its own different kind of beast that, that it can help. So all, all that kind of stuff is touched in there. And then um, lots of other little snippets all the way down at, at the at the bottom, but we have some other uh, we have some other blog posts on those. I will I will say just the ACS one, the Azure Communication Services, the interoperability into the Microsoft Teams being general available. Um, there's some demos I saw prior to Ignite, yeah, which we actually showed at Ignite in some of those videos where they had you know a Teams call like we're in right now running. And then it had a web page open with not very much code as an SDK with like the ID of the Teams meeting. 
plugged into, like set as a variable, and the video is streaming live in the web page. Um, and they also had like a chat control in there as well. And so this notion of, you know, maybe you're sitting inside Teams as part of the call, but the doctor you're talking to is in a custom built app um, with different details around him in the UI that's specific to them, allows them to be talking to you over Teams, um, whether you're in a consumer account or a work and school account. I think there's some really exciting scenarios there for that. So if you haven't dug into Azure Communication Services as a way to kind of do voice and video and chat, um, there's some really, really easy ways to do that now with Azure Communication Services. So definitely check that out. The next post is uh, a Microsoft Graph at Ignite 2021. And so this one gets a little yeah, bit yeah, more yeah. Uh, closer to closer to Jeremy, right? So obviously, the, uh, uh, this goes through uh, some of the uh, capabilities added specifically to Graph. And, and so what's your highlight on, on the list of in here? I would definitely probably say the one to keep an eye out for is the probably the to-do one, actually it starts to indicate the direction we're going on with tasks with the fact that we're changing the schema that was um, available on a different endpoint to me slash tasks um, because it starts to align the strategy of where we're going as a tasks resource objects in the grass. And I'm a big proponent that, you know, if you think about productivity within a company, a lot of it hinges on task management. And so, this is a step towards that with that change to me slash tasks that will start to indicate further direction around what we think of tasks within Microsoft 365 as a whole as a product offering and how that is almost like a fabric across you know the solutions we want you to build with. Um, so that was one really big call out on there. Um, and then the one that if I had a dollar for every time I've been asked about this in the last three <laughs> years is the meeting attendance reports um, for Teams calls, which is part of the cloud communications um, capabilities. You know, not just being able to get at that via the graph, but in this case, they were demonstrating how you can do this via the PowerShell um, SDKs as well. So, you know, you just plug in an online meeting ID and you instantly get back a ton of detail on, on that attendance of that meeting, which there's many, many scenarios where that's becoming popular. Yeah, the tasks certainly is what caught my attention. And, and I like to see the, the new checklist API, which doesn't go into a lot of details, but you know, subtasks. And I'm sure mm -hmm. that's addressing what a lot of folks want to see. So certainly looking forward to seeing a bunch of that come in. And of course, this blog post touches in on a few other things that I have deeper links into that we'll get into as well, like uh, connectors and stuff. But the, you know, it, it reminds me, I, there's one in here about the attack simulation training API that um, obviously is going to be helpful for something for folks who are writing code, you know, like me who have stuff in the cloud. And I should find the link. The Azure has a companion -ish or a similar type of service called Chaos uh, to to like pretend to break things in your Azure infrastructure. So the two of those, if you're a developer writing cloud stuff, you certainly want to pay attention to those two things. So great to see that stuff moving out there. Uh, the next one is what's new for Office add-ins at Ignite 2021, and there's a video here, which I'm guessing is is Juan, who's been on the show a few times, uh, talking about some updates to Outlook 
add-ins. So yeah. part part of that, I'm guessing, is the personal apps and Outlook, but this is more than just that, right? Yeah, no, this one, I, this has been something I know Juan's been working on with the engineering group for a while, which is the notion of like hooking into events that are happening uh, when you're in a mail message, whether it's every time a recipient changes in the two line or the CC line or the BCCC line or when an attachment gets modified in a, when you're composing a message or uh, maybe you change the appointment time on a calendar and notifying the add-in that's running as a task pane or maybe just in the background um, that those things have occurred. And it's super useful and it's quite, there's a lot of scenarios in there. They're kind of highlighting that that becomes really important. And these are, you know, the, some of the activities that they're working on, but it, it really does, you know, again, because it's across over an Outlook and Outlook mobile, there's a lot of scenarios that can, you know, you can build as business applications or, you know, as products inside of Outlook in those ways. And, you know, that he talks about let's sign it and code two here for uh, email signatures as two examples of that. But uh, yeah, no, for me, that was a huge call out. And Juan has a little video as part of that blog post that kind of shows you a demonstration of that as well. So that is big news, in my opinion, on the Outlook side of the house too, which is exciting. Yeah, I, I, can, I don't know how many times I was involved with people running mail on-prem where we want to block messages that are going external or flag things that have external users. And the, your only choice really was to catch it on the back end. So I've done all this work to compose an email and I click the send button and it doesn't send because of some rule in the back end. So being able to to tell the user, hey, this you know this recipient is outside organization, so I'm going to classify this as an external you know, NDA or whatever, uh, it certainly is a, a great improvement to user experience. So I loved seeing that come along as well. And, and now moving along into other Microsofty things, there's a, another uh, somewhat lengthy topic that we have to just touch on sadly, but uh, there's a blog post about exam MS 600, building applications and solutions with Microsoft 365 core services. And so uh, to be honest, I don't I haven't spent a lot of time in the certification world. I do remember helping out uh, defining some of the objective domain for, for this core and the, the, the companion certificates. But um, what, what's new in this one that you wanted that to highlight this uh, the certification? Yeah, I, I think Sasha brings on a good point. You know, like we've had this M365 developer associate um, online learning that you can do, but having this exam that you can go and take at like a, a training center of your choice is actually a really good thing. When I was a consultant, um, this was a good way to differentiate me and prove my skills if I was looking for a new job or even, you know, when I was working at a company, it gave me something to strive towards um, while I was there to build my skills up. The The scope of this course is, you know, like teams development, identity, understanding, it's graph and, and, and other things. And what's interesting in this post is just him sharing his journey as part of that. But then the cool part is, is just like linking off to the learning paths that you should do to be ready to take the course. And so, you know, there is a develop apps for Microsoft Teams learning path on MS Learn. There's a build apps with Microsoft Graph on MS Learn where you're going to learn about kind of like accessing user data, learning about query parameters and OData, how you handle traffic and throttling. And, you know, with identity, it's talking about single sign-on and authorization permissions and custom APIs being secured by identity. So as a developer, it, like, these are great ways to, you know, go do this for free and then 
you know, again, go take the certification and actually be certified in this officially, um, which can really help from a career perspective. So um, if you haven't already looked into this, I'd highly encourage you to do this because I think, you know, you might be in a particular part of this world as an M365 developer, and it's a good way of like cementing your skills by taking this test because they have a mucked around here. It, it definitely pushes you pretty hard uh, to understand the different areas. And I would say credit to, to the team that put together this certification, because when they were talking to us about what should be tested, we kind of pushed hard and said, it's not just one thing. You can't just go get a SharePoint exam anymore. You really need to know how to get a token from identity and you need to know what graph calls you can make and what you should. So, so this is a great all around, you know, it, it's mentioned in the title. It's, it's for the core. It's the core certification for M365 core services. And, and it certainly gets you a step up on doing that. And we'll also throw a link in the show notes to the actual page on the on the learn site that covers uh, all, the, all the learning paths and stuff going on here. So, there. so you can certainly go through and, and learn all, all about that. So great to see that stuff coming along. Next, I want to move into a, a section on teams. There's a ton of, of posts in the last uh, month or so, month and a half about teams. We'll start with one, uh, the, if you need some teams data. So the Microsoft 365 developer program launches a new instant sandbox with teams sample data pack. The, the words are different, but this I love this with uh, being able to, to get a, a dev tenant and then put some content in there that's relevant is great stuff here. So I'm not sure, was your team involved in this or are you just uh, happy to see it like the rest of us? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. It used the graph to do a lot of that content of provisioning. But when they first did this, they did it as sample data packs that once you got your developer tenant, you would then pick which packs you wanted to run. And Yeah, that's what I did. Yes, that's how I got 20 some users, right? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it can take a while to run those scripts. And so what Michael's team has done is basically got tenants pre-prepared so that when you sign up for the developer tenant, like you just get it and it's all done for you. So it's like instant on, um, well, I guess they called it instant sandbox, um, instant sandbox with all that data are pre-provisioned. So as a developer, you know, you're good to go. And I've really loved the journey that this team has been on with thinking about like, what can we do to have developers easy, better get a developer environment up and running. And um, more importantly, like give them enough data so that they can test things and build things in a you know a realistic manner. And if you go digging on the scripts, you can actually learn a lot about, you know, I remember when we were at um, Hyperfish and when I was at Avpoint as ISVs, we would have like startup scripts and teardown scripts to like set M365 tenants up in a certain way to go test our products. And so you can learn from the way that we do this with the instant sandboxes and take this as part of your continuous integration, continuous delivery kind of pipelines for doing that within your own tenants for like targeting your own specific use cases with the apps that you're building. So there's some good lessons that we've learned from doing this. And I love the fact that we've kind of gone this next step and like have them ready to go so that there is literally no delay, you just kind of get it and you're up and running. So, you know, I haven't really paid close attention because I already have a developer tenant but you're mentioning how there's the scripts that I can look at. So I'm certainly going to go click this button and, and watch this video as well, see what's in here. So great to see this stuff coming along. And and for folks who haven't been paying attention, maybe like I, now you get an email every 70 some days or 80 days that says either your tenant has been up renewed for another 90 or it isn't going to be. So you can see there. Um, 
but great stuff. It's great to have 20 some licenses that you can poke around. Yeah. And, and inside baseball, we actually use that as a measurement of like growth on the platform. So for, you know, obviously we see a big spike in developer tenants, which we did see at build this year and we did see it ignite as well. That indicates more interest in the platform and more developers coming into our ecosystem. And so, you know, there are there are benefits for us in providing this service, but it's been a demand for us for the longest time to make this easy for developers to ramp up. I mean, gone are the days of having to buy W510 <laughs> Lenovo laptops with hard drives duct taped to your lid running VMs, um, you know, the cloud is here and we just want to make it easier and easier for people to use. Yes. Join the developer program if you have not already. AKAMS M365 dev program. Go for it. It's awesome. Next blog post is from Rabia. So Microsoft Teams development, all you need to know, which is kind of an ambitious title, but they deliver. So <laughs> it is very ambitious. This blog post starts with a video that Rabia and Bob put together. And the two of them were on, we talked a couple episodes back about some Teams app that they built. But this blog post does go through with the architecture of stuff and all the links to everything that you could possibly do, what you want to do, where's data stored, a ton of sample videos, a cheat sheet with links to all the AKAMS links for stuff building in Teams. So great to see this blog post. Thanks, Rabia, for putting this together. It's going to certainly help get folks uh, started. Yeah, I actually watched this recently because the, the YouTube video is like an hour and a bit in change. And it's Rabia and Bob, who are both part of the Dev Advocates team um, under Top Angling. And um, it was useful. There was a few things I was like, oh, I didn't know you could do that with the tooling. So it's nice to see the dev advocates kind of putting this content together and and like explaining it based on all the conversations they have with developers, you know, from the team's development lens too. So yeah, it's exciting to see and there's some really good like architectural slides that they use to call out some of the bits and pieces that go on in the moving parts there. And he has a really cool scenario that Bob demos around like the, um, like a recruiter trying to set up an um, or, you know, getting someone an interview and so forth and leveraging teams and a bot to kind of help make that process more streamlined. So definitely go check that video out. The next link I have is right, if you know me, you know this is right in my wheelhouse. You can now use an adaptive card to build a tab, <laughs> like the whole tab. <laughs> <laughs> Your dreams are coming true. Uh, oh, yeah, exactly. So this is part of, I'm pretty sure this is part of the 1.9 version of the Teams manifest in which in, typically when you built a Teams tab, you would put, well, it's called a static tab in the manifest, but a personal tab, you would put in a content URL, but you can put in a content bot ID and then that bot will be called at the expectation that the bot will return the adaptive card and it renders in the, what would normally be the HTML zone. And once you have the card, you can do all kinds of fun things with buttons and forms and stuff, including universal actions would be my guess as well. And uh, off you go, off you go. So it certainly will help get things bootstrapped up. To, you, know, you, you can certainly get a um, get uh, an interface running real quick for folks. And obviously, if you need to enhance it with more validation or stuff and you want to change it to make it dynamic like web code, you could certainly do that. But at least that's the thing that caught my attention is, hey, I can get something up and boom right now and then iterate on that fast with my users. So good to see that stuff moving along. Yeah, and it was kind of nice. The screenshot on that page kind of shows, you know, the adaptive cards rendering uh, in the desktop client and then also then rendering on a, an iPhone client too. And, you know, all of that's handled for you with the same, which is obviously the premise of adaptive cards. 
Um, but it's good that we've actually kind of gone to that level of support for this at the tab level too, because as you say, like is, you can get things up real quick. You know, I, I do like the approach they're taking here with this. It's uh, there's a lot coming on adaptive cards and universal actions. Uh, Fabian on my team is incubating with a bunch of people under NDA right now around universal actions. And it's been really exciting to see some of the partners involved, including yourself, Paul. <laughs> I had a call with Fabian and the team earlier this week and I, I ran into a gap. And so uh, I, I appreciate the, the the willingness to understand what's going on. And right, it's not a blocker. It's not a, a breaking change that, that's stopping me, but yet they're they're interested in see what's going on. So it's great to see this this team involved. It's It's moving along. It's great. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, the, the last link I'm including in here is a link to what may be hard to find if you're not paying attention, but the there is a V2.0 beta release of the Microsoft Teams JavaScript client SDK, and that kind of powers some of the stuff we hinted to up at the beginning about putting uh, putting uh, your app in, in various uh, canvases and so on. So the, if you want to get ahead of that, you can look and see what's in here. The, the change log is lots of added this and added that and added this. So great stuff is coming. Love to see that, including a whole selection on promises, such as, you know, uh, the the, uh, the calendar item was open and stuff like that. So lots to see uh, in there. So if poke around in the, in the SDK, you can see what, what's coming and get ahead of that. So thanks to the team for publishing that and developing in the open, which is always great. Yeah, there's a lot in there. There's lots to dig through. Now I want to switch over to a couple of items from the graph side of the house, if you will. First one, uh, breaking changes in beta again, the online meeting API attendance report. <laughs> Interesting you mentioned this. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, there's stuff moving in here about uh, an entity being promoted to a navigation property, which probably means there's more data available than just what at first glance. So great to see. Yeah, correct. And so this, this is in beta. So it's a breaking change, but it's in beta. Um, we just we like to announce these things on the blog so people can get notification um, in this sense. I mean, obviously the schema changes or SDK changes, and so you'll find it there. But what will happen because we're changing this from a property to a navigation property, it won't be returned by default in the response. So you have to use the expand equals attendance records query option for that data to come back, whereas before you didn't have to. And it's because we've moved it from a property to a collection of them, um, obviously, because we're returning more information now. And so again, like, you know, we're in beta, beta, um, and we're learning and getting feedback from people using it and realize that, you know, originally the in the API review that we kind of, there was something we could have done to make that more scalable. And so we went through API review again and made the change and, you know, we're just announcing it so people that are using it already, we don't break whatever they're working on in their own code. And, you know, this kind of highlights a, a, a paradigm that us developers should be following as well. I, I kind of ran into this as well. You know, the reason that this is now a navigation property and I have to explicitly request it, probably because it's more data, th that's something worth paying attention to if in you're writing an app. Because as, as we talked about just a minute ago, your your code may be running on a, on a mobile device that's not on Wi-Fi. And so making a collection to get a lot of data that may or may not be relevant is, is a bad practice, right? So so make look at look at the data you're requesting and the data you're trying to render and say can I put this behind a button or you know on a scroll action so that I'm not making them wait for all this data and giving a, a responsive UI so 
something to keep in mind for folks. Yeah. The next blog post is not necessarily a graph uh, PM, but uh, Bill Bear has a post about what's new and next for graph connectors. And this is a, 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 a Bill's blog posts are always uh, well-informed and, and thought out and instrumented with pictures all over the place. Uh, the one that caught my attention, though, is that uh, some of the graph connector content will show up in Windows search. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that as well. But so Bill goes through and talks about, again, what's new and next and covers you know including some of this is just stuff you've seen before like the service now connectors out there and jira's out there and so on and so forth but he certainly does have a a, a bunch of screenshots about what's coming and it certainly piqued my interest and in, in spawned some ideas that oh maybe we could do this and stuff so it's great to at least review this not necessarily because it's going to have code snippets but certainly because there's ideas and you can see what's coming and and how you can uh hop on board and get going so thanks to bill for putting together another great post yeah, actually, a call out there, which um, we didn't really cover in the Build Ignite or Build or Ignite announcements, uh, which is covered in this blog, is the notion that in the people cards across M365, there is this notion of profile enrichment from H HRMS systems, so human resource management systems. And so you can light up using this stuff to show maybe what their business address is or what their cost center is or the skills that are stored in the HRMS system, which are connected through with the graph connectors into the profile pages there. And so there's some really cool things that you can do uh, through using graph connectors to put content into Microsoft 365's data repository to then light up other experiences. So, um, you know, if you are an ISV and you've got products where you want to kind of like light up your content inside of search and have it as paul mentioned in windows 11 search box directly in the os or you know light up on people cards or show inside of bing bing search or even office.com search and sharepoint search yeah you know you can join the party alongside partners like ServiceNow and confluence and gyra or jira depending on where you are in the world um and 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 likes you know there's many many other partners that are in the gallery i'm just calling those ones out um but yeah, if you're interested, there is a whole Graph Connector preview program that Brian on my team runs. And uh, we, it's been great to work with the ISVs and partners on this. And um, yeah, kudos to uh, Bill for getting a nice visual blog post of all that stuff together. It's nice. You know, and you mentioned partners and ISVs, but really, and this really applies to anyone. There is in preview a CSV Graph Connector. Put a right. CSV file in a SharePoint library and push that in. I mean, how how low friction is that? That so mm -hmm. re really any system that you have that can output files, you can then get it looped into search. Maybe it's not real time instant searching like you'd expect with documents, but uh, man, this is just low hanging fruit. So hop on it, folks. It's great stuff. Um, I have a couple more links here that are, are helpful if you want to provide feedback to Microsoft. Both the SharePoint team and the Teams team now have new feedback portals. So the first link is from Kathy Dew. I'm sure Kathy's not listening, but I saw her last night and uh, she mentioned that this feedback is out there now. So there's a new feedback portal that uh, you can go through and make your suggestions or provide feedback for OneDrive and SharePoint. And there is similarly a feedback portal available now for Microsoft Teams. I'm guessing they're both off the same URL somewhere in, in the Microsoft uh, cloud, but you can then go through and, and submit your feedback, request things. Well, I don't want to say what it's for, but uh, the feedback portals are now available for those, for those two services, or those two teams, if you will, uh, as well. 
Well, they're, they're actually, it's much broader. So it's if you go to feedbackportal.microsoft.com, um, it takes you to feedback portals for all Microsoft 365 products. So OneNote, OneDrive, Microsoft Teams, SharePoint, PowerPoint, To-Do, Forms, Lutra. Um, and <laughs> yeah. And one thing we are working on because we had an interim solution because this Dynamics 365 customer service platform wasn't available when we had to move off of user voice. Um, so we're in an intermarine, we're in the tech communities, but Barry and my team is actually working um, to get Graph in here as well. And we're trying to work out the right way to do this because if, you, if you've already been in here and had a, had a look-see, look uh, if you go in the Microsoft Teams area, there's like a, a, a developer, developer platform category. And then if you go in SharePoint, there's a developer experience category. And then if you go to OneDrive, there's a different category. And so obviously you can submit API feedback in each of those areas, but you know, Graph is a lot broader than that. So we're just trying to work out what the experience should look like. And we're working with a few people on feedback on what that would be. Feedback for the feedback system. Oh. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's a much better portal. There's a lot more we can do with it here. Um, and so it'll make it a lot easier for engineers and PMs to kind of keep people in the loop on like what's coming and hooking off to Azure DevOps and so forth to make it even more automated, which is great. So what was that URL again? You rattled it off really fast. <laughs> uh, feedback portal. <laughs> Just close the tab. Feedbackportal.microsoft.com. This inspires me to make a callback. There is also a Q&A site for Microsoft as well that a lot of uh questions should be directed to to get you know answers from directly from microsoft so between the feedback and q a you should be all set folks yeah and then interestingly azure uh maintained the feedback.azure.com which is now running on the dynamics platform as well so the whole company is basically just as a strategy moved over to the dynamics uh, platform experience which is really good and jeremy and i are on old school feedback send us a mail send us a tweet <laughs> yeah just just tweet us what do you want to hear about yeah. who would you like to have come speak so our short little news episode is a little run and a half hour so thanks for uh for bringing all this data to the table and uh folks will will be dark again I, like there's a holiday next week here in the united states and i'm taking uh, a couple of days off so i'm not working too hard next week but we'll we'll find some more stuff to find to, and get back to you soon enough folks so thanks for sticking with us and uh if you enjoy it uh, please give us a, a rating we appreciate five stars would be preferable um always appreciate it folks thanks for doing that and thanks jeremy for driving this show so much appreciate it and uh, enjoy your holiday you're welcome man yeah you enjoy, have to enjoy your time off and for everyone else celebrating thanksgiving next week enjoy the time of your family thanks for listening to the microsoft 365 developer podcast Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 